International. that Delilah used to do cruising hey with Delilah, Delilah. No. Delilah. now we're recording <laughs> wow that's Majestic. so gross to know that that guy wrote that song about a girl he met one time at a party <laughs> isn't that gross okay I would say that it's gross but also Titanic is a love story about people who knew each other for two days and yeah also, but like at least they fucked like there was a, there was you know what I mean like they were into each fucked, other it would have been okay to write that song persisting with the, the single right. numbers Celine Dion recorded that uh, my heart will go on song in one take because she's frighteningly good at singing despite being strange and distant can I say something weird yeah do it or is it an unpopular pop up and I do not like Celine Dion there are people who are good singers who have great voices whose voices annoy the fuck out of me like there's nothing musically wrong with Celine Dion but I just hate the sound of her voice I hate the sound of her voice so much that I hate singers that sound like Celine Dion that's pretty intense like I don't like Leah Michelle for that exact reason wow that's a lot of singers you're eliminating that's the entire roster of people who sign up for American Idol oh my god that's why I hate American Idol it's a like ballady sing songy like I'm just not a fan. Yeah. It's either ballady sing songy or I'm just a simple guy from Texas who has a guitar, I don't know, or it's just like, you know, I'm a manic pixie dream girl with a ukulele and then every now and then like one person pops up and they're like, I'm Irish. That's different. <laughs> What's the name of that lady who like her whole deal was that she was so unattractive that people were surprised Susan she could Boyle. Sing? Susan Boyle. <laughs> Is that a good way to explain? What an unfortunate name. She's named after a skin condition. A boil. Yes, that's like a a pus well, it isn't spelled that way. Is it? It's not okay. No, it's spelled B O Y L E. Yeah, you think that's bad though? You should meet her cousin Deborah Sist. But <laughs> 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 Anyways, welcome back to the Extra Salty Podcast. As always, I'm Jasmine Ellis, and I'm Kai Krabs. And joined in studio today, we have the wonderful Nikita Redgar. Hello. Hey. hey. Wait, should I sing it in the voice you hate? Hello. <laughs> People might have turned off this episode. Oh wow! You might, you know what I mean. They might hit that unsubscribe. You don't. Under, you're fucking with my paycheck right now. I don't Look, pay what, for this. I what, just, what I just a feel scathing like, review. You know, I feel like I'm a voice for all the good singers out there, like Celine Dion. I'm a voice for Celine Dion. Okay. Take that. Okay, a voice. For, <laughs> Celine Dion has her own. Voice. <laughs> yeah, she needs. Not she in this room. She doesn't. She needs representatives. She seems marginalized. Y- you can tell that I adore you because usually I'm just like. With the, I'm like letting the guests like talk a little bit first like, before I just start ripping into them. So I don't want people listening to be like, why the fuck is Jasmine messing with this guest so bad today? <laughs> You're just one of my favorite people. I oh, 
Thank you. Can I just like share with Kai a little yes. bit like how I first met you and what oh I thought at God, first? Oh my God, this which, is so embarrassing. No, okay. this is embarrassing on my part because this is my insecurity okay. showing real bad. But when I came when I came down for the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival, great festival, it's going to be happening this year in September. April 20, or August 29th through September 3rd, I August 29th through September 3rd is when it's going to be happening. And it's Labor Day nice. weekend. It's always Labor Day weekend. Labor, Whatever Labor dates Day weekend. Do you know Out of Bounds off the top of your head or Labor Day weekend off the top of your head? What, oh no, th- that's what I'm saying. I know that Out of Bounds always happens on Labor Day weekend, but I'm pretty sure those are the dates. You were just but, so ready with the dates. That was super impressive. Yeah, I'm. I'm not totally sure, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, but uh, I came anyway. down for that lot uh, two years ago, actually, before I lived here, and um, I had never met and I didn't know anybody in the Austin scene, and I was everyone was super nice. And here's the thing: is I think you're adorable, but sometimes you speak with an upward inflection in your voice that makes it sound like you're asking a question. So you were like, "What credit did you want me to say when I introduced you?" And I was like, "Um, you could say the Blue Whale Comedy Festival." And you're like, mm, "Is that what you want me to say?" And I was like, "Yes." Uh, she's like. Anything else? And I was like, the Denton Comedy, so the Denton Comedy Festival? And like, you had that upward inflection that I thought you were questioning my credits. And I go, oh, you know what? Why don't you no. say, and this is what I said to Nikita because I hadn't met her before and I was on edge because I like lost my debit card that day. And I was like, why don't you say whatever you think is important enough, okay? And, and realize like, how bitchy that sounded later. Like, why don't you tell me? And you were like, yeah, sure, okay. And like, I definitely don't think you, you picked up on how mad I was. No, I did not pick up, but I will tell you that when my voice does do that, which great catch, by the way, I'm just confirming that I heard it right. (laughs) And I was not like, "Mm, do you really want me to say blue whale? (laughs) I was just like, you know what? I worked hard to get into that shit. Like, I was so mad at you for no reason. And then like the next time I saw you, I'd come down for an audition. It was when Rachel was living here. Um, Rachel Hall, friend of the podcast, she's been on here and was my roommate at one point. Um, and we go to we go to tramps and I see you and then like we were talking about something and I think you said you didn't know back that ass up and I was just like god damn it and just what? Got, I remember you saying this like you were like what is is it like the it, it was playing and you thought it was the Drake song at first and for some reason I took that as like damn it she's just so young I hate young people <laughs> I do remember this. Yes. I remember this Just very clearly now. Just getting mad for no reason that you were younger than me and asked me questions. So like, you just kept catching me on days that I was really stressed out. Like I got, I got rejected from an antidepressant commercial, and then there you were, not knowing juvenile songs. Just being young and cute and pissing me the fuck up. Oh man! But now we're all here and we're friends, despite the tone, as you may think, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I told Kai that story before, so I'm glad we could share. Yeah. So, hey, so, no diggity. That's a Chet Faker song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. See, and now it, it all starts again. I just popped a blood vessel, y'all. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is Chet Faker? Okay, so I got some good salt for today to okay. start everything Table off. Table salt? I'm ready to go. Is it the Himalayan pink salt with the rocks? Well, no, because it's not mine. It's just something that fell off a truck, so it's like not even... I think it's Epsom. I don't know. But... <laughs> Okay, so it's it's more industry stuff, which I know is like probably not people's favorite thing to listen about. But I was at a festival recently, and I got somebody to record one of my sets. Normal business transaction. I'm like, okay, you do this, and he say, I do this, and I say, cool, and then we do the thing. Mm-hmm. And 
was charging uh, almost twice what like the industry average, at least here in Austin, is for the tape. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this before I agree. Let's negotiate. We he was like, I'll do it on a sliding scale. Blah blah blah. So we agreed that we were going to do it for a lower price, but it wasn't established, which is probably my fault. Well, then I get the tape today. And he was just like, here's where you can Venmo me. And so I responded, like, try to be chill about it. And I was like, how much do I owe you since we talked about sliding scale? And he was like, oh, the full amount. And I was like, oh, but we talked. <laughs> Don't you remember that we talked? And then, like, I'm looking at the video and it's like, it's it's fine quality, but it's like nowhere near good enough to be, you know, twice industry standard of what, like, you know, a 10 minute tape is. Oh, wow. And so then... And what was weird on top of it was that at the beginning, he put a placard that said, uh, you know, a so-and-so production. And I was like... (laughs) Wait, like Diddy in the 90s? Yeah. (laughs) New video! Like his version of like... Hot Cribs! We the best music! (laughs) And... So I responded to the whole thing and I was like, look, I don't feel like the quality for what you're charging is there. Uh-huh. I still want to pay you for your time. Um, also, I don't think that you should put a placard that says this is one of your productions since it was at a comedy festival that you weren't a part of. And these are my jokes. You didn't really produce anything. You just, you know, hit on on a tape recorder for me. And mm-hmm. Then, you know, did whatever the back end stuff, fixed the levels of the audio, blah, blah, blah. And then he, like, just started getting, like, kind of irritated about it, Well, where it was like, well, I mean, I've got assistants and I've got editors, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it that I feel like makes the price fair, like gas and parking, and is going on. And so then I was like, okay. I was like, you can't offer an on-site service and then try to charge people for getting there. Yeah, that's true. No, I don't do that with makeup. If I'm already there, I don't charge you for my gas to get there. So, and like at this point, it was just like so. And then he was like, oh, and if you want me to remove that placard, I can do that editing, but it's going to take some time and I can't do it for free. And I was like, I thought you said you had people, you know. And so like there's just this whole weird gross back and forth. So I replied to it and because I'm a salty freaking bitch, I... I said, uh, hey, just so you know, um, anytime that you're doing something for business, like traveling or having to pay expenses, you can actually keep those receipts and they're tax deductible. Um, also, I can go ahead and remove that placard from the front of your video using YouTube's trimming tools mm-hmm. uh, very quickly and for free. So I'm going to send you some money and we're going to part ways. Those are just some notes for you. Mm-hmm. Have a good one. <laughs> That is that is quality salt. And sometimes you just have to tell people, like, no, that's not what we're agreeing upon. Especially if it's not the quality of just, like, what you're expecting. Then I message the festival producer. Actually, would you tell the festival producer? Uh, that he was extremely unprofessional and that I was having problems going back and forth with it. And that uh, I was like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't book him on the festival anymore, but just so you know what you're getting into. And then she was like, no, we've had problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> then. All right. And I was like, okay, I feel a lot more justified in being a bitch now because like, <laughs> it's just i don't know it's just like it's weird to put that this is like your production on a thing that literally all you did like was record it and weren't really like involved in it beyond that like it feels like you're trying to like take credit for something that you didn't have credit in really 
I don't know. I, I feel like I sound like a huge asshole. No, there's just things that you're used to. I will say that there are some really great videographers around town in Austin. Mm-hmm. And as someone who got bamboozled early in the game by shitty videographers, I think you might be conditioned to a quality of video at a price that's super fair and awesome. And uh, like to see like the, what kind of charlatans are out there in the rest of the world. That might have been like kind of a shocker because like what we what we pay normally for videos here is like really really good though yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you what he was charging afterwards though it's not on air but you're you're gonna be like okay all right, okay. so, so that's why we're salty. We're salty yeah. about industry salt. Uh, industry I, salt. I got one tiny little thing because I already, I already confessed why I was randomly salty with Nikita for no reason when I met her. <laughs> Unprovoked. Uh, but before I came here, guys, why I was running a little bit late is I was selling some clothes and I went to Plato's Closet because that's the only place I've ever heard of to sell clothes. And I had this big bag full of like stuff with tags on it, like like nice stuff that just... I just basically I do this thing where I'm really good at shopping and a lot of times I will lie to myself and think I'm going to lose the weight to get into this and then I never do and I was like I'm on I'm dieting now but I was like screw it I, I can't fit these clothes I'm not wearing them I'll reward myself with new clothes when I get into the right shape right shape whatever there's no right shape body positivity whatever mm-hmm. I feel like we all shop just in general for like a version of ourselves that doesn't exist <laughs> That could be body related or that could also be personality related. Like, I will like this jacket someday. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, I, whenever I go to the food, I'm like, mm, there's too much sodium in this. But then, like, anytime yeah. else, I'm just like, McDonald's. <laughs> like, That's so true. We, we, we're trying to build the life we want. Yeah. So I'm selling the clothes and they only buy two items for $8. But I'm just like, all right, sure. And then the girl does what she goes. She goes, but you, you definitely should try our sister store. They take more mature style. And so this is going to be mature. Mature. How said mature? Like, what I just does told that you. mean? She meant that I had old lady clothes. Oh, uh, she goes like they take a lot of things like Ann Taylor and like things that are a little bit more business professional. And like this is what wow, made me like Woolworth or that shit. Talbots. <laughs> There's what made, Chico's <laughs> dress barn. Uh, Damn. Here's what was upsetting about this shit is it was like literally my birthday dresses from like the last couple of years so like what I thought was like hot and thotty like like things that I thought were like yes bitch you finna kill it you got both arms out like I, like, I really thought these were my sexy clothes and she told me to go to the business contemporary section to sell them they're like um, maybe antique road show <laughs> and I literally said so I'm an old bitch and you won't buy my clothes. And she was like, I mean, uh, not, that's not what I said. Uh, uh, that wasn't customer service training, that remark. <laughs> and I was like, I know it's not what you said, but it's definitely how I took it. Have a great afternoon. <laughs> this poor girl, this girl probably like is like, oh my God, was I rude? No, you weren't. I'm just really like, I'm salty that I'm getting older and I keep accidentally being the old bitch in the club. So like, I keep I keep walking into situations where I just feel old all of a sudden. Like, funny thing is, next door there's a Texadelphia and they had like free ice cream when you buy a meal. And I was like, I just want ice cream. And then I remembered I was lactose intolerant. And I was just like, I'm so mature. I don't want to be mature. Oh God. 
Philadelphia is ice cream. That sounds like a cheesesteak shop. It is a cheesesteak shop. See? Hey, uh, these chain restaurants have great dessert, by the way. BJ's, <laughs> Cheddar's. Oh, yeah. Shout out to BJ's with the pizookie. Yes. If you're listening, uh, we like our pizookies with the salted caramel. Extra salty. Make sure to support the podcast. <laughs> BJ's, and please provide us with pizookies. I would be so down. Enter code SALTY20 at checkout. Oh, my God. I have, I have no pride when it comes to free food. I wish so, somebody throw a steak at me right now. Like, <laughs> come down. So that's the dumbass reason I'm salty. Nikita, why are you salty? I'm salty because I have two reasons, by the way. So okay. I have I have okay. a small reason about a thing that happened today, and I have my bigger reason of the thing I wanted to share on this podcast. So my smaller reason is that I work in a startup, which I love. Mm. I'm, I feel very lucky to love my day job. But there is a girl who works with me, and she is white, and she claimed that she discovered pouring hot sauce in chips. <laughs> I wish y'all could see Jasmine's face. Earring. She took no, off I her earrings. just taking them off because they were hurting under the <laughs> headphones, but the timing was perfect. I was like, where's she at? Where's she at with this hot sauce on her? What kind of hot sauce, too? Okay, it's crystal hot sauce, oh. which, okay, I yeah, it's, it's not in the highest tier of hot sauces, but still, it is a hot sauce. Therefore, it is kind of mine because that's how I grew up. By the way, I love that if, if people of color all had a flag, it would definitely be a hot sauce. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because that's like the one thing that everyone can relate to. But she posted on Slack, which is like our Mm -hmm. communication channel. And she was like... (laughs) She she felt the need to (laughs) alert the community. (laughs) Go on. I'm sorry. (laughs) She she posted on our office chat with a picture of hot sauce on chips. And she's like, look at this miracle, you guys. If you need hot sauce, it's going to be at my desk. You know where to find me. And I'm like, bitch... This has been my road trip snack since I was like six years old. A prophet is never accepted in their hometown, Nikita. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really annoyed <laughs> that she like like blew into a conch cell and was like, come ye. Come to me. <laughs> I created, oh my God. Yeah. That is like peak oh. white feminism. <laughs> like, it's just, you know what I mean? There's so many undercurrents of just all the things. Did she invent cornrows and call them boxer braids? Like, I don't you like know this what? girl. <laughs> also, it's like maybe like if you're gonna go out on the limb and say I have made a discovery Google it yeah I Google my own jokes whenever (laughs) I have an idea I Google it to make sure no one has said it before and then I write it even if it's like super specific to me I'm like well uh we're was anyone else's parents' cousins in the comedy scene? Because I'm going to write about this. <laughs> <laughs> that is really, really smart. I, uh, speaking of Googling, Google everything. Anytime you have an idea that you think is unique, Google it because you can absorb ideas by osmosis. Just real quick, and then I'm going to let you tell your second okay. reason. Yeah. Salty. Uh, so my wedding is January 11th, 2019. Uh, and I decided that me and my bridesmaids should have like a cutesy theme since we're going to have a bachelorette party in Austin. I was like, ooh, we're a girl gang. We should call ourselves the 111 gang. Because that's the wedding date. That's fun. And then something told me, something in my gut was like, why don't you Google 111 gang real quick? (laughs) Want to know what 111 gang is? Uh, I'm going to guess that it is a either a cult or a music production studio. It's a white supremacist prison gang. No, it's no that's so much no. worse. White supremacist prison gang. It is when you if you're if you're a neo-Nazi and then you go to jail, oh. you become a part of 111. Oh. oh my 
my oh. god one race one world is like their motto or something like it's like and i was so like literally looking on like and fucking zazzle will just let you start typing shit in so i was like yeah let's do baseball shirts one eleven k like i was gonna make y'all some i was like <laughs> Anyone invited was going to get little enamel pins. Oh, no. <laughs> we were all going to be in this gang. Dude, just Dude, a quick, your gut knows. Just a quick search. will save a life, man. <laughs> Part of me still wants to do it just for like, you know, like, can you imagine that you're like, you get your like one hour of internet time in prison and then you just see like a bunch of black women and gay men like frolicking the streets of Austin with oh your my gang God. letters on? They would hate that. <laughs> You know what? I'm on board now. I'm really, yeah, after yeah. you said that, I think that's a brilliant idea. It, it felt, it all of a sudden feels very grassroots. <laughs> like reclaiming it? Yeah. But you have doing? to recreate the same pictures that they do. So if they have like photo shoots that they took online, you got to look the same exact way to really maximize the pissing off potential. It's mostly just like handwritten tattoos, like tattoos that are made with a hot pin. So like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think my bridesmaids are that ride or die. Back to you. Okay, back to me. <laughs> so you shared with us kind of one of your like uh, your lightweight salts. Let's talk about my my lightweight salt slash the salt that has been on my back for my entire life is dealing with the expectations of Indian parents. Hmm. Mm. And this is a tricky one because I want to, of course, be on their side because I have Indian parents, but I've also heard horror stories of just like the rigidity in how these parents are just looking over their kids and kind of dictating their entire life, which really like which really aggravates me but i also see where they're coming from because india is like a very communal culture whereas here in the states it's very individualist but still it's i mean i don't even know where to start with this but one example i can give y'all is when i moved to the states i was um i was 16 i grew up in singapore for my entire childhood mm-hmm. and I moved back when I was 16 Singapore is way closer to India so a lot of the culture is still kind of there and there are a lot of Indians in Singapore so my parents never really felt that like gap between the culture they grew up with and the one that I was learning mm-hmm. and a part of but when I moved to the States I would just see this kind of resentment for, uh, for Western culture from my parents and they would always threaten me that if I you know like drank or partied or dated they would ship me back to india like that was their threat Mm. and there's just such a divide between these cultures and that's always i've always hated that why would your parents use their homeland as a threat how did that make you feel when you heard that it was i know why they were saying it because they thought that i would be like raised the way that they were raised and that's what Indian parents do is that they're accustomed to living in like such a different style than we are for example like my parents grew up with like the entire extended family they're like their grandparents their cousins they're you know their actual parents siblings second cousins sometimes and they're really used to growing up in an environment where everyone's opinion dictates what you do Mm-hmm. And that is a lot to deal with, especially when you are the quote unquote poster child that has made it across the ocean, across the world into the States. You're supposed to be carrying the family name and like propelling it into greatness. And that is a shit ton of pressure. And I feel really sorry for people who have very, very strict parents. My parents were like 
decently strict, but now, you know, now they've kind of come to terms with my lifestyle. Do you think that those expectations uh, were tied into what their motivation for moving to the States were? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what and what was their motivation? I mean, like, if you, if I'm curious, I mean, a very common theme in immigrants is we left our life for you. Like, imagine if what we're doing right now, you know, being comedians and you know working our day jobs and just like hanging out with our friends, like everything that we have right now, we uprooted all of that mm. and went all the way across the world for our kids our hypothetical kids to have a better life and in your mind you're like this is the idea of the life that I want for my kids and if you achieve anything less than mediocrity then it all seems like a waste but the thing is their um what do you call it like their expectation of you is the expectation for themselves mm. so just trying to live vicariously through their kids yeah or just like in some way or, just like or not even vicariously they're trying they want their kids to live exactly like them and it's a very risk averse culture <clears throat> just because it is so much dependent on does my family approve of this do my friends approve of this does my community sometimes it's a whole village that's rooting after you like d- am I making my village proud is my kid someone I could brag about when I go back to my village and that just does not let your kid be like a risk taker in life do you ever find yourself having a hard time finding balance between um like finding yourself and doing what's best for you but then also having a love and pride for your culture Mm -hmm. totally yeah there's always i don't know if you guys ever got this but something that my parents always instilled in me was respect your elders mm-hmm, absolutely. no matter what even when they're dead ass wrong even when they're dead ass <laughs> wrong which is something that you won't find out until way later too i would say this is gonna be so embarrassing to admit but probably until like this past year i just assumed that everyone who was older than me was wiser than me like no matter what Mm. you have more experience than me you've been on this planet longer you're probably wiser so i should take everything that you have to say for granted and i mean it took a while for me to realize oh we're all just human people who are older than me you know they're still learning they're still making mistakes but yeah that was something that was very ingrained that you first respect your elders and second don't talk back to people who are older than you like it, it's strange that you described it as like a super community driven thing because I see that but it also feels like so individually competitive because like the way that you described it of like everyone's going to like look at you and then it's like it has to be something that you can bring to the group to be proud of like it, it that seems rooted in like you have to have like that thing that people can be proud of but you have to have it comparing to somebody else who like Mm -hmm. isn't achieving those things did you ever feel like that like like how like how would you describe like growing up in like that sort of environment that feels like both weirdly competitive but also like weirdly communal but you know who they're comparing it against Mm -hmm. white people they're comparing it against 
people in the States and Western culture, as they say. And I'm not just talking about my parents. I'm talking about the mindset of a lot of Indians that I know slash don't know is that they're looking at people here in the U.S. and like, okay, you know, your peers, they're out drinking and they're out taking a gap Mm -hmm. year and they're jeopardizing their education to find themselves or whatever it is. And they're like, but you know better you know you're gonna go to school and you're gonna get a job and you're gonna marry someone who no not that you love but someone that can bring the family honor someone who comes from a good home and you're gonna have kids and you're gonna be in society's eyes this very successful person Mm -hmm. but that's who they're comparing to Mm -hmm. so that and that just creates that rift but it, you've, you've managed to do what you wanted to, though. How did that work out for you on a personal level? Like, how did you tell your parents, uh, I'm, I'm going to live in Austin by myself? Yeah. I have a tattoo. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, sizing you up on things that I'm like, what are you not allowed I to do? I have a tattoo. I dyed my hair partially blonde. I use primer, a lot of eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to primer. <laughs> I also, okay, this is a very quick sidebar. I bought a new eyeshadow and I wore it today. And one of my coworkers told me that I looked exceptionally stunning. Aww. And she was Aww. like, you know, you're just putting out such good vibes in this office. And I was in a horrible mood. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. But then I realized that I had a new eyeshadow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sparkling eyeshadow makes people think that you, like, have feelings that you don't have. <laughs> like, you I- have positivity that you don't don't have oh, for sure what is it what does my dumb handbag say laughter is the best cosmetic Maybe. nice how does benefit even make any money with that <laughs> no it was a free gift sorry <laughs> something, something that I like I'm, I'm super curious about is like the it also feels like you're not, like because you described it as like it's always being compared to white people so it always feels like you're competing in that regard but it also sounds like you were always kind of competing with like what their like expectation or like it almost makes it sound like it's like a roadmap. It feels like you're competing against yourself because you are growing up in an environment that's like majority white. Because I mean, I grew up in the suburbs and a lot of Indian kids who grow up um, in more affluent families, which is a majority of people who come to the U.S. are growing up in suburbs alongside white kids so you're living a life that is kind of dictated by more american terms and then you have these expectations from your family so you really like sure they're comparing against white people but like you're comparing against yourself do you know what i mean yeah yeah I, that's well i mean not compared because you like, you people, have you want to hang out with your friends you want to go to the movies yeah. in high school you want to be like part of these weird you want to try lacrosse or some shit like that <laughs> <laughs> but your parents are like no you gotta study you gotta be national honor society you, you want to go to the movies cool do that when you're married and have a good job but Right now, you know, as a kid, at least when I was a kid, I was really kind of struggling between those two parallels. So I'm curious how, uh, like how far you've come in your relationship with your parents, like based on what they expected of you and what you're doing now, not to say that you aren't doing what they expected, but based on the way that you're describing it, it sounds like there's a more stringent specific plan. And whenever you try to tell anybody that you're doing comedy, Mm -hmm. usually they have a fairly, they have a lot of opinions. I I can't imagine like how you 
introduce that information to them and then what their reaction was and if it was negative, like how you've reconciled it since then? Oh, man. See, this is a tough one because my parents are as I said, on the slightly more liberal side of the spectrum. So while it did take a lot of convincing and a lot of doubt from them, they just saw that, you know, I was doing this continuously and this was what made me happy. And comedy was something where, you know, I was seeing like visible results in my progress. So they're still like, they still use their mindset of like, hey, you know, maybe you should go to school for this or maybe you should get a degree for like performance or so that that like Mm. mentality is still there where they're pushing me to succeed but yeah i mean obviously that they don't you know know any anything about the entertainment industry that much so they're playing their own experiences i feel like i was on the lucky end for that but i have heard you know people really really fight for what they wanted to do Mm -hmm. and that feels terrifying there are people okay this and this is not just what they want to do career-wise, but I've heard of people, like friends of mine, that are like, my mom doesn't even know that I talk to the opposite sex. Wow. Yeah. And they've like banged and everything. <laughs> <laughs> they like did it. They totally did it. <laughs> How do you feel, especially talking about like from the entertainment industry, I feel like in the last couple of years, um, there has been a really interesting focus on South Asian people in yes. media. And it's good. But one thing I've noticed is a common theme. And this is uh, maybe hits on me as a person of color and a person of color who is going to marry a white person. Mm. And I, I have this weird little pang of like, like I get excited when I... I see a positive image of people of color in a relationship together. And I think sometimes when people of color make it to the mainstream, the marker that they're succeeding is that they stop playing opposite black people or whatever ethnicity they are. And if you look at like, if you look at like Denzel Washington's trajectory, he only has a black black spouse when he's in a period film. So if the movie's set in the sixties, yes, anything now Hispanic white or other or ambiguous and what? yeah and then a lot of South Asian actors uh, namely Kamal Ninjani uh, like the the big sick was great but mm-hmm. it is about his true story with his white wife yes um Aziz Ansari, uh, rest mm. in peace, his career. Uh, uh, name on the uh, what was that show? Master of None. Yeah. It's like white girl after white girl after white girl on that show. The Mindy Project. She almost exclusively dated white men. Mm-hmm. Do you have any feelings about that, or like have any musings as just an, like a, a South Asian person working in entertainment and wanting to date freely and be like, how do you feel oh about God. all that? Is that a lot? A okay, big question? I remember so much backlash against both Kumail and Aziz for having white women as their partners in their shows and I I didn't like that because first of all that is reality for Kumail it's reality mm-hmm. that's his life story and people were like mm, you should have picked an Indian lead actress I'm like that's not that that would defeat the point then it's not autobiographical anymore exactly yeah so while I totally believe that representation is important especially like as a performer of color I really definitely want to see people like me on stage in movies shows all that stuff but if you're not coming from a place of truth 
then that's not like that's my number one thing like come from a place of truth and then if the representation fits yes okay that that is something that I can like definitely like draw my comparisons with whenever mm-hmm. I see gay people in media like there's like uh, there there is a, a very high preponderance of people to include very specific types of gay men in television not or just to make a character who is otherwise which <clears throat> it either like taking a character that is like a very intense gay stereotype where there's just like the sassy hairdresser who's got mm, a lot to say and it's Jonathan like yeah. and it's like yeah that's totally chill we've got a lot of those and they're very funny good people but it's also like not the pure experience to where it's like you're it's not a good thing to put representation in something whenever the only intention is to put is representation to put represent- and mm-hmm, not to absolutely. like actually like make like a rounded character who's part of a thing mm-hmm. like you don't want to just be like oh, okay well they say that we you know need a black person so we'll have one walk through screen and offer somebody like you know a refill on their water or whatever like the, the, that's no better than speci- I feel like that's no better than specifically not including somebody because of it because it's rather than actually trying to include like an experience or any sort of truth in it you're just doing it because you're like oh people say that we're supposed to do this now and mm-hmm. it's like dismissive and reductive yeah yeah, then you're not I mean if you find someone who matches talent wise and that's great yeah. I love hearing stories about when actors or actresses like they are a certain way in real life and script writers will write a part just based off how they are because they want this person in their movie and in their show and they just write a character based around their existing personality Mm. which I think is the dream I love hearing stories like that yeah and just to to clarify on a point of like what I just said since I I heard a bad thing in my head like it's not it's not bad to have representation because I mean you, you always have to like start somewhere like you at least have to like start with the visibility and then that's something that yeah, you work towards yeah. but whenever it's specifically and only for the sake of visibility to try to satisfy people from coming at you that comes from a bad place just to clarify that because i heard i heard the bad in my head after i was done and yeah then i was like oh let me append that <laughs> i can't hear any bad in my head with these headphones on <laughs> after this i'm gonna be like oh did i really say that i'm just i I agree, I agree with what you're saying definitely but sometimes I look at things and I'm like there's no reason why that actor had to be white that's mm. just the way things are so oh for sure oh I see be. that yeah. you know what I mean sometimes like it didn't do anything to enhance the story like, <laughs> like with Kamal and stuff that was a true story so the woman should look like his wife I, I mixed feelings and it's weird ah, okay it's weird being someone who is in an interracial relationship mm-hmm. and still being like how come you never see two brown people together <laughs> like it's just, like i can't think of anything and it's just like is it have we decided that like like for a white audience to care about a person of color we have to show that that person of color uh completely surrounded by whiteness like that was one thing that just like i don't know i guess mm. it's just one thing that can rub me wrong is it's just like, yeah. like for example scandal it's just like this one powerful strong black woman around all these white people oh my god yeah the the same thing with how to get away with murder yeah is why is she married to that man 
Oh my god, is there like is there like a brown person Vindelchev test? Like if we have two brown people in a scene talking to each other about something other than a, a white brown brown test, <laughs> brown Dolchev test. Like we need, you know what I mean? I just don't like. It's like we're looking at things for like a white gaze all of the yes. time. But you know what? I'm really thinking of network television, and I'm completely eliminating so much great stuff that's on yeah. Netflix and Hulu. That's not oh, fair. For, yeah, and it, we're definitely making a lot of good strides, which is good, but it's also like it's also fair to talk about it because like i mean really like where we're at now it's we're still at the starting point because yeah. the starting point like it's not just like a one time individual point like because you can't just say you know this was the first time you know a black person was put on f- television this was the first time a gay person was t- on television because it's like yeah that is a point that's a first but like the starting area is more of like a zone like to where it's like yeah you've got it but also like you're still working within like stereotypes certain parameters all these other things and yes. you haven't actually progressed until you've moved to the next zone of like well now these are you know rounded interesting characters that have a backstory that have a life that people spend time you know to where you're moving along it's a spectrum I guess I, I think Insecure does a really good job of that touche yeah because they're all everyone in that show is such a well-rounded character with their own yeah. life and goals and motivations but they're not performing for the white gays. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm totally eliminating everything non-network. Yeah. I'm forgetting Atlanta. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm literally looking at ABC going, why? Uh, like, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. still super looking forward to that show. I think it's going to be on HBO or show. I can't remember which network it's going to be. It's going to be on one of the premium networks called Her Him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That follows the story of a bisexual black man. And that's the I, I know more I, I know more about it. Like in, I'm very curious about how yeah. that's going to go. You wouldn't believe, but like he's the main character, and it. Ex- I think I, the, from what I remember, it said that it's going to like explore his relationships that are going to like fluctuate between like men and women, to where it's like got this more uh, specific, diverse kind of approach to like sexuality, a like- bisexual character. Oh, Speaking of sexuality, Nikita, I have a question for you. Yes. So you run a very popular show called Naughty Bits. Yes. Uh, that I absolutely love. I think you guys do such an awesome job with it. Did you ever like um, getting into it? Did you have any hesitations about being with something like being involved in a project that's so sex focused or how did you feel about it? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I still block my parents from Naughty Bits pose. I was wondering how, <laughs> like with cause par- Indian parents are stereotypically like uptight about sex. Like you just said some of your friends, mm-hmm. their parents don't even know, don't they even know that they speak to a, and they yeah. be fucking. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how do you feel about it? Like, I, again, I haven't even addressed this with my parents yet. So it hasn't even been a thing that I think about. I mean, thank God for the internet and allowing me to block people. <laughs> but I mean, I've always been pretty positive about or just like an advocate of sex education mm-hmm. because I used to work at Planned Parenthood which that was the thing that you know my parents knew about of course because I worked there so long but I was just like mm, I'm just at reception I don't really know what goes on you know <laughs> <laughs> I tried to play it off but yeah that's something that I've always been um, very very much enthusiastic about so I mean when Katie offered me the opportunity when Ella left I Ella is the old host of naughty bits and also the creator co-creator 
I just, you know, I was so excited about it. And I was like, this is a chance for people to get to see, um, you know, what sex is to different people. And Katie and I always did a pretty good job of making sure the lineup is as diverse as possible in terms of not just sexuality, but in terms of like background and um you know, in some cases, like dating patterns that people's ha- people have. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What's been your like but, favorite experience hosting the show so far? Uh, my favorite experience. Um. Oh my God! There. <sighs> <laughs> you gave me a cock ring. I actually used. Sorry, there's so much information. I <laughs> there was oh, one of your shows yeah. and there was like a goodie bag, yeah. and I was like, "What is this?" That's <laughs> a good cock ring. Okay. Yeah, that should vibrate some stuff. Check it, it was out, interesting. Mm-hmm. I never, it, but it had like little rabbit ears in the front, <laughs> so it was just like tickle, tickle, tickle. This is too straight for me. This is too straight for me. Tickle, 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 not uh, for, <laughs> Sorry, my so, aunt listens I to wonder this. if Here's the a- rabbit ears are meant to be, you know, like metaphorical because rabbits are constantly fucking, or is it just maximum clip pleasure? Is I feel it like, like the rabbit architecture? Maybe both, but also I would like to stress <laughs> that Jasmine is doing a lot of gross things with her fingers while she was singing Tickle, 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 and that is a visual that is lost on the audio, but is deeply upsetting. Uh, if you connect with our Patreon account, you can actually see a video of me going Tickle, Tickle. Oh, oh my god. god. It's, it's just her flipping me off. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have a do we have a Patreon? We don't have a Patreon. It's it's it exists, but it's not set up. Okay, if I you do ask for it, guys. I will record that. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I do wanna give back to Indian parents having a kid that's an entertainment. Yes. Because yeah. um a very interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that the reason that Indian parents or I'm gonna go out on a limb and say all Asian parents are so strict to their kids is because they like really started from nothing like my dad for example he moved from india to california with only seven dollars in his pocket that is wild and he started school and like worked really hard and for the first two years he could not get a job so he was working a bunch of side jobs and construction carl's jr was one of them and he just could not get employed for so many years two years is a long time to not have a sustainable income so he his theory is that i don't want you to suffer the way i did mm. So they work so hard to provide this life for their children and they're so strict because they don't want their kids to make the same mistakes. I don't even know mistakes, but maybe the same risks that they did, which is something that I've never agreed with because you got to take risks in life. You got to find out these things for yourself. Mm. It's like. You know, my sister, whenever she started dating, I would tell her things like, don't date that type of guy. I went through that. That's bad news. And like, she's not going to listen to me because she has to find that stuff out for herself. Okay. This might not be the right way to ask this question. So it might not sound exactly how I'm trying to ask it just as a precursor. But the thing that I find really interesting is I feel like part of that sounds like it comes from pride in what they've accomplished in order to give you that life. But also like through doing all of those things that they had to do through working like those side jobs like that and doing what needs to be done and having those hard moments is also what put them in this position where they're like, I'm proud of what I'm able to offer you. So it, it seems strange to me that they would want to 
shelter you. Not, it's I mean, such like, a not, I mean, everybody wants to shelter their kids mm-hmm. from like having like a potentially like tumultuous life, but it's also like it seems like it's overlooking like the 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 pride and the accomplishment that comes with having those struggles. Yeah, you're so right. And it's when people get famous, I hear that there are two types of famous people, like those who remember where they came from and those who are just so consumed by the fame that they just, you know, choose to ignore all the struggle and all the hardship that they went through and they're just living in the moment Mm. and, you know, making all these decisions defined by where they are now. So I think it's a little bit of that too, where, you know, like my parents know how hard they worked and where they came from, but right now they live a comfortable life in the suburbs. They have a good amount of money and they just want me to have that and not go through what they went through. But then you're just living like a risk averse life. Mm-hmm. You're, it's it's very it is it is very like low risk low reward or medium reward versus you know taking a big leap and having potentially very high return off of it. So it just, which is why um, a lot of Indian parents like do not encourage their kids go into arts entertainment something that isn't promised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's definitely uh, it's it sounds like it's like really focused on like structure and yes. just structure and stability and that's the entertainment field is definitely something that uh, offers neither of those mm-hmm. nope do you feel like that mentality will die out as people age as um you know more second yeah. generation and third generation people are moving it like what, how do you feel it'll go i think so but there's also that possibility of people just repeating the same cycles that their parents did which is what a lot of our parents did our meaning first generation kids is that their parents taught them a certain way and they're just repeating those lessons. So that could just get lost in that echo chamber, you know? So like, I'm sure there would be some kids that, you know, their eyes are open and they're like, I'm going to try a different tactic with parenting my kid, Mm -hmm. which I think, like Jasmine said, is the more probable outcome, especially with the internet and social media and everyone kind of knowing everyone's business. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's my hope, but I do believe that there will be people who just repeat the same patterns over and over again. So what what's one of your most positive experiences growing up with your family yeah. or growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, one of, like a point of pride for you as an Indian American woman? Ooh, I think I have a lot of positive experiences. Um, let's see. I think my parents were always very much on board with every new thing that I wanted to try. So I've been trying to find my passion for a long time. I always knew that I had something. I just didn't know what it was. So from a young age, I tried a bunch of random stuff like dancing. I danced for a long time. I played the bass clarinet, which is just a giant dick looking instrument. That sounds- <laughs> it sounds cool though. <laughs> and what else did I do? I-, I played the guitar for a while. I played the piano. I even try juggling just as a thing just to just <laughs> to be you, like what? i can do a thing <laughs> yeah and it, this is me as a child so as like i don't know i can remember for a long time me just like desperately fi- trying to find something that Nail. i wanted to do so Did that's 
I mean, I, I think that's a good memory that my parents were always like, okay, yeah, we'll put you in piano lessons. We'll put you in guitar lessons. Or here is my friend's uncle who gets drunk and starts struggling. You know, just, just <laughs> they'd, they'd always try to connect me with avenues where I could kind of achieve that full potential. To be totally fair, juggling is really great for a one-time viral America's Got Talent audition video, <laughs> which you mix it up a little bit. So, <laughs> that is true especially telling jokes while juggling because we've all seen how pure stand-up can go <laughs> call it chuggle chuggling chuckle that, that sounds gross i know oh, i heard it i know oh, i heard it i know but the pun is so masterful it just has a bad outcome <laughs> oh no i don't like it <laughs> yeah that's it that sounds like a, a a thing that you'd have to like google real hard to find it but you would know when you found it uh <laughs> guggling giggle and juggle guckling <laughs> ah. that that, that one might be worse Juggling? Isn't that what he just said? Juggling. That sounds like you're chuckling. In like the least offensive way I can say this, that sounds like you're combining the phrase shucking and jiving. (laughs) Shucking and jiving? It is a uh, commonly used phrase in the American South to describe the way that um, slaves would, like, slaves and and just in general, when like a black person performs blackness for white people, what? they'll call it shucking and jiving. Oh my God. It's like a super negative expression. This, we're Southern as shit for that. Wow. Uh, that that's is... why I didn't want to say it, but I was like, you need to know that that's what it sounds like uh, just uh, in case. Juggling. Oh, you ruined it. I, I was just enjoying my life and you had to remind me. I was black. Thanks, Kai. Wait, do the listeners know that? Cool. Yeah, they know. I mentioned it at least twice an episode. Wait, that's so interesting. I learned something new. So, uh, the... the Not about Jasmine being black, but about... (laughs) I didn't know. I don't see color, even though you're right in front of me. I never knew. Uh, So we always... (laughs) On that note, we uh, we always like to end an episode with a little bit of a piece of advice. Um, So the thing that I'm super questioning... The thing I'm super questioning is how to make a good sentence. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Me too, every day. I'm really curious. uh, What would you recommend that people do in order to start to either explore or make peace with familial expectation whenever they feel like they can't go against that grain, but they aren't being pulled towards it like how do you how how do you as an individual reconcile that and start to move towards living more you that is so that is such an interesting question because i think that happiness is the fundamental part in like every culture across the world no matter what is like everyone wants to be happy so maybe try to relate that to what you're doing. My dad, for example, he loves shopping for cars. Like that's his passion. Anytime like my lights go out, my brake light went out once and he's like, oh, time for a new car. Like he just loves shopping for cars. And if there was some way for me to be like, hey dad, me on stage doing comedy, that's how you feel about shopping cars. You know, so you kind of relate that happiness that you feel doing a thing to maybe something that they like doing, maybe something that your parents like. And just as long as they see you happy and doing what you want, then that support, you know, it comes. Maybe reluctantly, but it is there, especially in careers and entertainment, because those things take so long to take off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of Asian parents are kind of used to that instant success that, you know, my kid went to business school and now she's on Wall Street. So 
you just, you know, kind of have to enjoy the process and make them a part of that process. I love the phrase, relate the happiness. I love that too. And we're going to definitely savor that and like, hold on to that. That mm-hmm. might be our little positive, something sweet for that episode. Dropping so. gems. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for coming in today. If people Thanks for having me, y'all. Want to follow you, uh, want to see the great things that you're doing with your improv group, with the shows you host, with the stand-up you do, where can they find you? So you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at the Red Car Report. I might be changing that to at Nikita Redcar. So just search my name, Nikita Redcar. <laughs> I was like, the Redcar Report sounds official. <laughs> it, yeah, I've, I've had that since I was a fan of the Colbert Report. So <laughs> I, was I gonna, love that. Though. I was going to say it sounds like uh, like somebody like just making an archive of all of the times soccer players have gotten the red card. Huh. The red card report? You know, sometimes when I'm trying to spell my name for customer service operators, I'm just like, it's red card, but with a K. And they're like, gotcha. And they get it. They get it. Yeah, Yeah, they get it. It avoids. I've had to spell my name so many times that when I tell someone my name, my instinct is to spell it. Oh, hi, I'm Nikita. N-I-K-I-T-A. It's. (laughs) That's a whole nother thing. I get that. Yeah. But anyways, Twitter, Facebook, Nikita Redcar, Instagram, N-I-K-I-T-A-R-E-D is my username. Nikita Red. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Of this course. Was, this was a very interesting talk. I, I always love like really diving down into like the issues of like people from different cultural backgrounds because I I feel like I you know I came from the deep south Louisiana and was surrounded by mostly like <laughs> white people. <laughs> so uh, I like I I don't know just by like living in Austin and being able to have conversations like these like I probably stick my foot in my mouth a handful of times but I feel like I grow and learn and I hope everyone who's listening to the, to the podcast feels the same way. <laughs> All right. And if you enjoyed the podcast, guys, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Extra Salty Podcast um, on, on Twitter. Facebook and Twitter at Extra Salty Pod. We're inconsistent. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thanks again for joining us, Nikita. We love you and enjoyed working with you as always. Oh my God. I love you too. Look how far we come after our first interaction. <laughs> I'm just glad my credits are important enough for you now. Now, the <laughs> <laughs> shade. All right, thank you guys. Have a good I'll night. See you Bye. next time. Have a good night. What the? F- I'm at the end of the show. <laughs> Tip your waitresses. Try the nachos. Oh goodness. goodness. Uh, I just, I just love saying. International. International.